a new era again begins for the New York Liberty. Jackie Powell here to talk about why this year might be different. Locked on women's basketball starts now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Wednesday. I am Howard Magdal, host of Locked On Women's Basketball, founder and editor of The Next. You can follow all of our work at thenexthoops.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Next Hoops, where a wonderful social media guru also operates that. Uh, Jackie Powell, do we know who that is? Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, is, it, is that you? Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. At Locked on WBB to follow the show. Thank you for making us your first listen. You can follow us and listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and Jackie, also uh, let the listeners know who is covering the New York Liberty on a regular basis over at the next. Oh, it. It, it, it is me too. Um, it is also you. It is not somebody with the same name. Okay. Very yeah. interesting. Well, uh, astonishingly, it's really well done despite all the things you cover and all the areas you are asked to do every single week. So congratulations to you. First of all, you are at, as I understand it, the home opener, the season yeah. opener for the New York Liberty. I was bitterly disappointed to miss it. I had barred baseball broadcasts to cover. And actually, I just have to say, just a quick shout out to Bard Athletics. Last night, I got to host the award ceremony and was surprised by this award. I got to cover and call Bard women's basketball, Bard men's basketball, Bard baseball. Jackie, you got to cover women's lacrosse for Bard as well. I think it's fair to say that this is the preeminent athletics department in the country. And so I know we were both delighted and uh, grateful for the opportunity. So, yes. I mean, you even, I have to say it because I'm a Bard alum, but you went to University of Rochester. So for you to say that, as you clearly did, and I in no way coerced you into nodding your head in agreement, uh, is a big statement. That's a big (laughs) statement. Well, the University of Rochester, uh, they, so a very famous coach who just retired, Jay Wright, actually got his coaching start at the University of Rochester. So that's, that's a little nugget for all of y'all. I am sad that Jay Wright's retiring. He was such a delight to cover, first of all, but second of all, as it relates to what matters to us here, he was a big supporter of the women's basketball program. And when Denise Dillon came in, he was somebody who was very eager to help her any way he could. She talked to me about that at Big East Media Day last year. Uh, Jay obviously knew Harry Peretta, uh, the legend over there at Villanova very well. So he is almost as much of a credit to University of Rochester as you are, Jackie Powell. So let's talk about the New York Liberty, who are a team that for the last few years has said, you know, it's a new era. And then things get in the way. Injuries, coronavirus, you name it. Uh, But take me through just your general impression Saturday night at Barclays Center. And by the way, before you start, everyone should go to thenexthoops.com and check out what Jackie had to write about this. Yeah, I mean, 
I'll start with the headline that I chose. Um, the Liberty defeated the sun by moving from the past and accepting the present. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, that's exactly what I saw on, mm-hmm. on Saturday night. And it, I think you could zoom out even further and say the past could mean even as far back as 2019 or 2020, but it was clearly looking from year to year. Um, and that was that was made very clear when Sandy Brondello said to us in the postgame presser that she sort of she barked at the team and she was like, you got to move the ball. This is not 2011 or 2021. My mistake. 2011 was a long time ago. This is not 2021. We don't play like this. That's ugly basketball. Like, these are the types of things that she said in that huddle or in a couple of those huddles in the first quarter. And you know what? It did look a lot like 2021. It did. There were moments where Sabrina Ionescu was trying to make reads and the defense caught her on the right side of the floor. The Sun, they do their their trapping and their double hedge. Mm -hmm. And she was stuck. And that was something that happened to the Liberty so many times last year. They tried to make reads and, and they couldn't. And they, they didn't think about moving the ball. And mm-hmm. so it sounds so simple. It's like, just move the ball. But it's much harder than how simple that looks. But they well, found a way to do it. Especially against the Connecticut Sun, who are obviously so good at defending. And this being no different... It is interesting just when you speak about ball movement and getting the shots, you know, there's a conversation about how many perimeter shots you're taking, certainly how many they took last year with Walt Hopkins coaching compared to more of a balanced attack, which Sandy has talked about. But there's also a different dichotomy there between bad shots and good shots and getting contested mid-range jumpers rather than, uh, taking open threes isn't necessarily a higher percentage way of operating. That is correct. And I actually challenged Sandy post game and I said, you were talking about the inside and outside attack. That's one of her Sandyisms. That's what she says. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the amount of threes they took and I'm trying to pull that up right now. It was a very 2021 esque number. Um, I don't have the box in front of me, but I'm scrambling to pull it up. But it looked, do you remember what it was? No, but we'll get that number. But it was, again, they are not, and and it's worth remembering this, right? They have at no point talked about the fact that they're going to go away from threes. We are not looking at a team that intends to replicate Bill Lane Beer style offense. Correct. So that's not tremendously surprising and not something that is a problem really they took 25 threes they made 10 of them you know at a 40 percent clip and a number that would comfortably fit in the upper half of average threes per game in this league sounds about right yeah and sandy's response to my question was She said, you have to remember who we were playing against. Mm -hmm. We wanted to play in a way that would 
create an advantage for us. Mm-hmm. And so trying to attack the paint and she's like, well, you can attack the paint in different ways. It doesn't have to be on post uh, entry passes. And that's not how we did it. The Liberty did penetrate. That was something they did. There were some questionable calls on both ends. I mean, I think Michaela Onyenwede, she she got a little lucky. She sort of just threw her body in there and a foul was called. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Right. But then when Jocelyn Willoughby charged the paint and John Quell just dropped a monster block on her, I was like, yeah. I was like, hmm, was that all ball? So that's what's going to happen during a typical basketball game. But her point was that the Liberty and how they're built can space much better than the Sun can. And mm-hmm. without Courtney Williams, without Dewana Bonner, Sandy wanted to try to exploit that. And she did. Yeah. And again, this goes back to, what Sandy Brondello does well, I know we were both big fans of that hiring. It just strikes me as somebody who's going to be able to maximize what the team can be. Uh, it reminds me quite a bit, to be frank, of the Buck Showalter hiring by the Mets. You have a leader who understands the game, who has the opportunity to bring that wisdom and make sure that mistakes are limited and Luis Rojas last year for the Mets was an inexperienced manager and it showed. And I do think at times the same was true here in New York and it doesn't guarantee anything, but when you reduce your mistakes, it increases your opportunity to maximize what you're able to be. But I also think that matters as it relates to the biggest star in New York, Sabrina Ionesco. I want to talk about Sabrina in a minute, but first we got to pay some bills. And let's talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. So AG1 specifically is a really interesting product. It costs less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. And there are 75 different supplements in it. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and uh, it, they say, supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness, something we can all use more of here in 2022 as we try to alert uh, the rise uh, of dangerous things in our society. And we need to be awake and aware. It uses the best and the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So, Go to athleticgreens.com slash NBA network, and they will give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and free five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So as it relates to Sabrina, her game was vintage. 10 of 18 from the field, 25 points, three of six from three, six assists. It looked a lot like a Sabrina Oregon box score on the court. What were you seeing and how much to, when you compare her and it's hard because she only had basically three games before the injury came her rookie season, but how much did this look like the Sabrina Ionescu? I think we've both expected dating back to the moment she was drafted. 
I mean, I don't even want to regard those first few games in the Wubble, to be quite honest, because Mm -hmm. it was just, it was all very new. Again, you go back to a very unexperienced head coach as well. I mean, that's not who she had in Kelly Graves uh, at Oregon. I mean, Kelly Graves has worked with many very extremely talented point guards. So I don't know if I want to return to the Wubble season, but I think what she did at Oregon is is a good comparison. Mm-hmm. I think what I saw the most was just her her will to win. And there wasn't and listen, that will to win was present last season. It just was hindered by the fact that she felt like she was operating on a wooden leg, which is something she opened up about. And, and it's important to note that. It's important to point out that Sabrina Ionescu is not a player who has failed to live up to expectations. Sabrina Ionescu is a player who has failed to be healthy since she entered the league. I, I, I know we've talked about this off air too, but just the idea that there are people who are coming to any kind of conclusions about who she is, what she can be, and what the Liberty writ large can be with Sabrina Ionescu as your lead ball handler. I I just don't get it. We simply don't know. That is correct. And she even has admitted that she tried to hide the injury last season. And that was very stressful. Mm -hmm. So she took the off season to completely rehabilitate it. I have researched the injury and she did come back a bit too soon, a bit um, prematurely. And I understand why. I understand exactly why. There was pressure. When I wrote about this opening game a year ago, I believe my lead was the Liberty have something to prove. And when I went back to write the lead for this one, I thought, do I want to use the same sentence? Is that because it, it, it applied, but it was different. But then I decided to go with something else. I went with the Liberty wanted to entertain. And that was what they wanted to do as well. I mean, this was a game that had almost 7,000 people in attendance, the most since August 11th, 2019, the first regular season game the Liberty played at Barclays. Mm -hmm. This was a big deal. And I think Sabrina understood how big of a deal this is. And there is something about her when there is a big moment, when there is a moment that matters, that she shows out. I mean, even when she was, quote unquote, playing on a wooden leg, she still hit the game winning shot a year ago against a very dysfunctional Indiana Fever team. And I think the way in which they won both of those games tells you all you need to know about who this team wants to be in 2022. This team in 2022 wants to be more well-balanced It wants to legitimately play defense. I mean, we have to talk about Natasha Howard as well. We had these expectations for the duo that Natasha Howard and Sabrina Ionescu were going to become. And when you you talk about injuries, Natasha Howard was out with a sprained MCL for the majority of the 2021 campaign. And let's just point out, even when she came back, was not herself, as she has acknowledged, as was frequently talked about. It was, we didn't really see Natasha Howard as herself until 
essentially the last handful of games of the season, which your reporting at the time really captured and allowed us to understand why the Liberty were able to make that late surge. But it goes back to if your biggest offseason acquisition of the past couple of years in terms of free agency trades and everything is Natasha Howard, and you are building the franchise, and rightly so, around your number one overall pick, Sabrina Ionescu, well, this is the first chance we are really getting to see what that actually looks like. Yeah, and what that will allow the Liberty to do, and obviously they're playing tonight against the Chicago Sky, it will be the first game of the season where Benajah Laney is available. And a lot of what we saw in 2021 was because those two players that we just mentioned and Sabrina and Natasha Howard weren't really 100%, Benajah Laney had to carry a lot of the load. And because she had to carry such a load offensively, you lost her ability to defend at a high level. Mm-hmm. Benajah Laney is a two-way player in this league. Yeah. But when she had to exert so much strength and so much energy on the offensive end, because she was the one who was helping this team move, she didn't have enough bandwidth to do what she does defensively. Listen, I, I think she lost some offensive efficiency as well. We saw her percentages go down as the year went on. This is no shame on Benajelani, who in fact stepped up in a time her team needed her. Uh, but if she is one of three primary options instead of the primary option, I think we're going to get a better sense of just how efficient she can be at the offensive end as well. And she proved last year she is a frontline player, but no frontline player can do it by herself. Uh, We saw this, frankly, when Tina Charles was the lone frontline option here in New York. It's simply not a doable thing in this league to win with one frontline scorer. So I am fascinated. And look, against Chicago tonight, that is going to be an epic matchup. I want to talk a little more about some newcomers and specifically Lorella Kabai. Uh, but first, I need to talk about something. They're not newcomers. They're almost, I would say, a part of my family at this point. You know, there's my wife, my children, and then there's my built bars. And so with summer here, and the opportunity to be able to eat built bars that taste so delicious, the puffs in particular. Uh, I took that opportunity yesterday afternoon when I was driving up to Bard, and it provided me with the energy to get through an entire program. We gave out 37 awards, including one to myself. And at no point was I tired. At no part did I lack that energy. At no point did I say, Goodness, Jackie Powell, why don't I have real chocolate? Because these bars have 100% real chocolate, not 50% real chocolate, not 25%, not a smidge of real chocolate, 100% real chocolate. And yet, protein-infused marshmallow, which it seems like a fantasy, right? That means you're getting 17 grams of protein, 4 grams net carbs, about 130 calories. So go over to Lock. Uh, go over to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. I was driving home, and I had the chance to tell the person on the other end of the phone call that I did that. And, and she was so grateful that I took her advice. Jackie, do you know who that was who I talked to on the phone? Was it Rachel? It wasn't. It wasn't. It's a great guess. It's the person who always 
always we need to say sent us oh my gosh it was grandma myrna Grandma Myrna. and so all of you listening tell them grandma myrna sent you so almost as important as we consider the broader scope of 2022 as grandma myrna is georgia tech product lorella kubai who in my first impression and again i was working off the film. I didn't get a chance to see it in person. I can't wait to see her in person. I will this Friday when Indiana comes to town, Indiana and their traveling roadshow of, of nine rookies or whatever it is. I'm, I can't wait to see them up close, but also on shoe debut as well. I well, get that, a, a sense. Oh, that's interesting. Wait, let's go to Lorella in a sec. What made you say that? Um, when I spoke to Sandy Brondello last week and Olaf Lang, about mm-hmm. both Lorella and Honshu. Sandy seemed to say that she wants to put Honshu in positions where she knows she'll succeed. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how Indiana is built and their lack of size in the post and their mm-hmm. lack of strength and their lack of experience, that is going to be a situation where I believe Honshu could be successful and where she could build confidence. Mm-hmm. Sandy did not want to put Han Shu up against a John Quell or a Bree Jones for, I mean, a, a very rational reason. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I will note, and, and I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but Han Shu grew an inch over last year. And so, you know, that's all part of development. If she grows an inch each year from here on in, Am I right that by, I just have to go back and look, by age 34, she will be eight feet tall? Is that correct? Are my numbers accurate about that? I mean, Honshu grew one inch in three years. I want to- Okay, okay. You there. So, so I, now that we're mid-40s, would she be eight feet tall? But she's still, you know, six of a 10 offers matchup problems. You know, and I and I do. I, I remember Katie Smith was reluctant to put her in the game and- we obviously, John Paul Jones, the defending MVP. So I get that. Bree Jones is just incredible, so incredibly strong. And But I want to see what Han Shu can do in this league. I want I want Sandy to turn Han Shu loose. So that's very interesting to me. But what she didn't hesitate to do was take Lorella and put her in right away. And when you're watching this, just right away, her ability to find her spots on the floor, her ability to battle at both ends. She did not look like a rookie to me. What were your first impressions? So I agree with that assessment. She she basically went out there and she did exactly what she wants or exactly what the coaching staff wants her to do mm-hmm. without a lot of fear. The one thing I will say, and this is totally understandable, is she was caught for a couple of moving screens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real issue that rookie bigs deal with. That's an issue we don't talk about that they have to deal with. Yeah. Um, the ways in which officials call uh, offensive fouls on moving screens is, is a totally, completely different game in the W compared to the college game. But what Lorella did incredibly well, and the reason why I break this down into three things is because I spoke to assistant coach Olaf Lang about both post players, but in particular Lorella, and how he goes about developing young post players. Mm -hmm. He said the key is you want them to focus on two to three things each time they go on the floor and to make sure they're not overwhelmed. So 
the the assignment for this pretty much the entire season or right now for Lorella is to do these three things. Mm-hmm. It's to rebound the basketball, play defense with energy, and to set really good screens. She did yeah. all three. Yeah. She did all three. It was very apparent that she was quite a success at checking all of those boxes. There was a sequence when there were two straight Liberty threes. I want to say in it was in the second quarter. It was what extended their lead to eight points leading into uh, halftime. Mm-hmm. And how that happened was on two straight, uh, I guess, screens from mm-hmm. Kabai. She is a plus eight in the box score. And again, plus minus can sometimes be misleading, <clears throat> but I think it's very clear that she was a net positive for this game as well. So bottom line, heading into game two tonight in Chicago, if you had to say the thing you're looking for most out of this team, I'm curious when you think about how they build on what is obviously a significant start, but more to the point, gives them a chance to go 2-0 and against the best regular season team, followed by the defending champions in the Chicago Sky. The best playoff team, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, hmm. So I went to practice yesterday, and I saw a couple of interesting things. Hmm. I saw, I think, what will be the starting lineup, which will be changed a bit in – I'm thinking they're going to go Sabrina Ionescu, Benajah Laney, Jocelyn Willoughby. Mm, Newark, New Jersey's own. Mm-hmm. Natasha Howard and Stephanie Dolson. And so what that means is Sammy Whitcomb, she takes over leading the second unit at the one. Which was something that we had a feeling that Sandy was going to do based on how he was talking about Sammy. It's also something Sammy is made to do, something that Sammy can absolutely dominate at and exploit those matchups. That's interesting. That's really interesting. That strikes me, I'm curious if you agree, as their potential best starting five lineup. I mean, there's a lot of logic to it. There is, and especially when the Chicago Sky are most likely going to be starting in the – backcourt with Courtney Vandersloot and Dana Evans because mm-hmm. Allie Quigley will be out again. Oh, yeah. So Benigel Laney oh, at the two, mm-hmm. I mean, that that is such a mismatch. But I will say this guy have another mismatch because they are playing Emma Misaman at the three and the Liberty are playing Jocelyn Willoughby at the three as well. But listen, Jocelyn Willoughby is a very competent defender. And strong. She's and strong. strong. Oh, that's going to be, man, I can't wait for this one tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, listen, Jackie Powell, your insights, your work here at Bleacher Report, everything you do is always just so terrific. And I am always delighted to speak to you. We didn't get to everything. We never do. You know, <sighs> oh, no, we'll have to have you on the program again. What a terrible thing. there's just so much to this new york liberty story but then again we could say that for every single wnba team it's true including the indiana fever we plan to have tony east on talking between now and the end of the week as well we'll have fascinating shows every single weekday as always so thank you for making lockdown women's basketball your first listen every day 
Now, and this is really interesting to me, Jackie. I don't know if you knew this, but right here in New York, there is not one but two NBA teams as well. Had you heard that? Yeah, I think I had just because the um, the ownership group is is the same, the Liberty Share and, and ownership group with the Nets. So, yeah. Mention it. And, and there's some team in Madison Square Garden, which is, of course, best known as the home to the New York Liberty as well. But apparently some other some other people are there. Uh, occasionally Disney on Ice and Billy Joel um, and perhaps the Knicks. But it's true. There's um, there's men playing basketball now as their profession. Uh, it's called the NBA. And now that you've made Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day, make Locked on NBA your second listen. From the first jump ball, the play-in tournament, to, and obviously not in the case of the Knicks, but the last possession of the finals, Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 all 30 teams, 12 for the WNBA. We'll, we're hearing some sound that that may be changing at least a little bit. So here's hoping that the WNBA gets a little bit closer to that 30 number uh, ASAP. So, yep, Locked on NBA, your second listen. Once you've made sure you listen to Locked on Women's Basketball first. I am Howard Meddahl, thankful to my entire staff at the Nets and everyone who makes the show happen We'll be seeing you tomorrow. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.